And I think there's a huge part of that too, that you have to just embrace that there's some people out there who see it and don't like it or see it and can't relate. And that's just how the world works. I mean, everybody it's me Meg back again my sister's sitting in my room right now listening to me record so um I'm trying to be as not awkward as possible even though I don't know why I'm awkward in front of my sister stop looking at me okay anyways happy Monday everybody um, <laughs> I think I might need to cut this out okay I'm calm down I'm ready to speak Um, I hope you guys had a great last week. I know I told you all to go listen to my old podcast. Stop looking at me. Um, so yeah, I hope you caught up. Go listen to all of those goodies. Um, but yeah, why, what am I trying to say here? This is what I'm trying to say. So I have a great episode coming up. I spoke with someone who did exactly what I wish I could have had the balls to do, which is ironic because last week I talked all about fear and fear of judgment. And this girl just stormed past everything that I fear um, in terms of judgment. She went and lived abroad for a couple years, just doing cool stuff. So I'm very excited to bring out this episode. But before I do, I have some sad news. Um, and hence part of the why I didn't part of the reason why I wasn't able to put out an episode last week. Um, So I had, my family had a lovely, I don't even know what the hell this thing was, Jack Russell Terrier, Pug, Mix, all of the above. Um, We had him for 18 years. And unfortunately, on Monday, this lovely dog of ours kicked the can for good. Um, Why are you looking at me? Is that bad? It's Tuesday. It was Monday. No, it was Tuesday. Shit. He, yeah, he died on Tuesday, um, which was really sad. It was, it was not at all, um, unexpected. So like I said, he was 18 and I kid you not, I graduated a year ago and every single year of college. So like four years ago, every time I'd leave to leave back for college, um, my family would be like, all right, give your dog some love. You might not be here when you get back. And I kid you not, this dog just continued to kick it. I don't, I don't get it. This, he, we, seriously, he was called the miracle dog because he lived past quite a lot of, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. He was just a miracle. Um, so yeah, so he unfortunately passed and that was very sad. Um, over the week, this past week, it's, We've had some, like, unconscious, like, look for Yego, like, don't step on Yego, that kind of stuff. So that was um, tough. But in honor of his memory, I'm going to share some funny stories because if anyone knows our family, we've got plenty to share of this damn dog. I say damn dog in, like, a very loving, loving way, okay? Um, So let's just kick it off. Here we go. How I can talk about his name. Some of you are probably like, what the hell name is Yego? Mind you, it's spelled L-L-E-G-O. Um... So my parents let me name him, and for the longest time, I honestly, I think until the day before he died, my dad believed it because I revealed the story to him. I told my mom, but my mom didn't believe me. I don't know. But they let me pick the dog's name. And long story short, when we lived in Michigan, we stayed in, like, 
what the like penthouse and now that sounds so bougie we were not in the penthouse it was yeah, like it was called the pen- okay it was called the penthouse but we're not living like luxury like la new york city it's, it's just like a massive room of this hotel because we lived there monday through friday and at the front desk there was this young um woman who had a nephew and the nephew would show up to the hotel once in a while and i thought he was the cutest little thing ever i had the biggest crush on him and turns out his name was diego well, when my parents asked me to name the dog, they put me on the spot. We're sitting in the kitchen of our old house, and I'm holding this dog in my lap, and they're like, Meg, what do you want to name him? And I panicked. I, I wanted to name him Diego. I knew we were moving away from Michigan. I missed my lover boy, and I wanted to call him Diego. But Diego's kind of an odd name, and I couldn't remember it. And so I panicked, thinking his name was Diego, and my mom was like, oh, like the Legos? And I go, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm not telling them that I had a crush on Diego. No way. Boys have cooties at that age. So then we named him Diego, but we spelled it like Legos with two L's. So it's L-L-E-G-O. So yeah, that's the story of how he got his name. Um, all, just wild. What else did he do? Oh, my gosh. Um, this this dog has really put up with a lot from us. When we were, when I was probably like 10 maybe, he ate a king-size chocolate bar that I left out. And chocolate is not good for dogs, newsflash. And so we had to call like a vet or a family friend or something. And they told us to pour hydrogen peroxide down his throat and it would make him yak. And it, oh, it, it certainly did. And you know who was responsible for cleaning up that yak? This girl. Yeah, me. So I had to sit in the bathroom with Yago yakking up this like slimy, chocolatey, white vomit over and over and over. And my dad literally locked me in the bathroom. <laughs> I could, I could, I was like shouting all the time, like, this is disgusting. It was <laughs> just, oh, I'm just like imagining it right now. Nasty. So yeah, I had to do that. Um, we have, now we have like little siblings, obviously. And the one sibling taught the other one to squish his balls, I guess. <laughs> like, they were fuzzy and yeah, she said they were fuzzy and squishy. So they, so they were like, hey, Mila, like you should squish these. So then Mila would go and squish those. <laughs> so that's that. So yeah, that is the tribute to Yego the diaper dog. Um, we miss you, buddy. <laughs> Are you going to cry? <laughs> don't, don't cry because then that's going to make me cry. And I'm not going to cry. Anyways, we love you, Diaper Dog. We love you, Diego. He's buried in our backyard now. Um, maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know if that's a, that's legal, I think, right? I don't know. I feel like this is kind of a sad intro. What else is fun? Has ha- Oh, I could talk about <laughs> the gym. <laughs> the worst the worst moment of my life, you guys. Me. I told you to stop fearing judgment. And so you know what I did this week? I have seen this cute man at my gym. And I've wanted to like talk to him because I see him every single morning. Mind you, I look crusty going to the gym, crusty, crusty. So whatever, he's working out, he's lifting at the bench right next to me. And I'm thinking, I literally was thinking about the, my last episode and how I was preaching to not, to not fear judgment and I wasn't embracing it. So I said, screw it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to not fear judgment. I'm going to go for it. And... Um, I, (laughs) I watched him walk past me. Oops, I hit this. I watched him walk past me and go pick up some weights. And I thought, you know what? Fuck it. This is my time to do it. I'm going to do it. So I take my headphone out 
and I'm holding one headphone <laughs> in one ear and I just go, hey. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it again. I literally said it just like that and it was pretty dang loud. And you know what he did? You want to know? <laughs> he just kept walking. <laughs> so I'm sitting there holding one headphone in my ear, like ready to have a conversation, shouting, like neck outstretched in his direction. <laughs> and he wants, either wants nothing to do with it. Maybe he didn't hear, fine. But like, whatever. It just didn't, it didn't go down as planned. <laughs> and then I had to shove that headphone back in my ear as fast as possible. I picked up some weights and I just started doing arm curls. Was I doing an arm day? No. <laughs> no, I was not. In fact, it was a booty day. But you know what? I could not bear to stand there and figure out what my next exercise was. So I just had to start pumping out some curls. And that's the story of me just going for it. And, uh, you know, I overcame that fear. <laughs> So I can still push that message of don't fear judgment because I was definitely judged. Maybe if not by him, by the eight other people around me who heard me go, hey. <laughs> okay, that's it. All right, let's get into the story. This is a good one. I hope you guys enjoy. Okay, hey, everybody. I have another guest here. Um, so Shannon, I reached out to you on Instagram. So another random. <laughs> um, so if you want to just go ahead and tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you grew up, um, family, hobbies, pretty much like just a nice little intro of anything you want the audience to know. Yeah, of course. So my name is Shannon Saracillo. I'm originally from Florida, uh, Sarasota, Florida, to be exact. And right now I live in New York City. I have moved a lot over the last five-ish years since I graduated college, and so I've been back in New York since April, and uh, hobbies, everything that I do as a hobby is something that is creative, kind of, that I also kind of do for work, so I don't really know if I have any hobbies. <laughs> um, I wish I did. I feel like I am one of those millennials that tries to monetize all of their hobbies, but um, I do photography. I make YouTube videos. I started my own podcast. I'm really into thrifting and like secondhand fashion and sustainability and like vintage shopping and traveling. Those are like my, those are my passions in life. So, okay. Awesome. Yeah, those are the things I'm interested in. And, and how long did you say you've been in New York for? So it's a little complicated story, but I've been back in New York since April, but this is my third year living here. I've bounced around. Okay a lot. Um, I lived in New York for the first time in 2017 and then, well, I'll just tell you. So <laughs> yeah, I, go for it. <laughs> I went to college in Orlando, Florida. And after I graduated, I moved abroad to Paris, um, France. Moved, moved, not just a studied abroad. I moved, moved to be an wow. au pair. Oh, that's awesome. Oh my God. Wait, I'm so excited. I have wanted to do that. So I will dive into that, but that's Okay, cool. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, it's It was something that I never even considered. It was like a random whim. I was on a backpacking trip right out of college. Like I never studied abroad, didn't get the chance and always loved to travel, traveled around the US a lot. And I ended up going on a backpacking trip with friends and my friend at the time and I were just like, we don't know what we want to do with our lives. We want to try to live in Europe for like a year. What could we do? And so we ended up um, getting English teaching certificates and trying to find jobs. And then we landed on being an au pair and she picked the place. I let her choose which country we went to because I had never been to Paris until I moved there to be an au pair for a family. Oh my gosh. And so I was there for a year. Um, I, it was, yeah, it was an incredible experience. I can like dig into that more if you want to know. But then after a year, I 
moved to New York because this is a place that I always wanted to live in the U.S. I knew I wasn't going to stay in Florida. And then I was in New York for about a year and was just having that missing out feeling of like, I feel like I should still be in Europe. Like I had friends mm-hmm. there and I feel like my time wasn't done. So I ended up moving back for another oh my God, Shannon, this yeah. is amazing. <laughs> I got a different visa. So like I got like okay. an entrepreneur visa that time around and that was completely and totally the hardest thing I think I've ever done. Um, you have to like open a business and show that you have clients and I'm a freelancer anyways. Like that's what I do for work, like creative mm-hmm. and digital marketing freelancing. So stayed there for a year. And then after a year, I was like, this is a lot of paperwork and finances. And I really want to be an entrepreneur. I want to like build my own business, my own brand. And I feel like it's a little difficult over in Europe. It's a little, it's very different than it is okay. here in the States. And so I moved back to New York and I was here until right before everything happened with the pandemic. And unfortunately it didn't even have, it didn't even correlate with the pandemic. My company that I was working for at the time um, basically laid off everyone at the beginning of 2020 because they just weren't making any money. It was a startup and they tend to spend more than they make. <laughs> and so they laid everyone off. And I was kind of at the beginning of the year going, oh, I don't really know what I want to do now because I'm not really sure I want to get another job in, in this like field. I want to like pursue my creative stuff. And then the pandemic happened and I didn't really have a choice. And my apartment mm-hmm. ended and I had to move home for a year to live with my parents. Back in Orlando. Was- Back in Sarasota. Sarasota, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that was crazy because I'm not a huge fan of my hometown. I love my family. My parents know this. I have to reiterate it all the time. <laughs> I love my family. I'm a family person. I don't really enjoy where I grew up. It's very slow. It's a family town. It's a lot of retired people. It's just not the pace I ever saw myself living in. Mm-hmm. But I was lucky for a year. I have parents that let me come home and allowed me to like live with them. And that was amazing. And I got way closer to them during that time. And then finally I picked up enough work and got myself back on my feet and moved back to New York. And this is where I am. And this is where I hope to stay for, yeah, for now and for years. (laughs) Oh my God. I already have so many questions. This is going to be an exciting interview right here. Um, Oh my God. We know where to begin. I, I think my, my, approach here is I'm going to ask, like, if you could just take me through the journey, like from year by year from like college, which you majored in all that. And then I'm definitely going to be start jabbing some questions at you because like the whole abroad thing and all that I want to dive into. So can you go back to college? What were you studying in college and how did you choose that? And then you said, after I know you didn't know what you wanted to do, um, Mm -hmm. but kind of what was your approach right after you graduated? So I will say that I, college for me was always just like a big question mark. Like when I was applying as a high schooler, I didn't even know what to choose as my major because Mm -hmm. I've always just felt like I wanted to do creative things, but I didn't know how that fit into like the choices that you have at most schools, unless you go to an art school. And in Florida, um, there's this really great program called Bright Futures. And basically you can go to school for almost free education, like no tuition. If you have a certain like grade point average and got something on your SATs. So I applied to schools all over the country and got in and really wanted to go out of state. Cause like I said, I didn't want to be in Florida, but my parents were like, look, you can go to a Florida school. And basically the only thing that we will like help you with, you know, like that we'll have to pay for is your room and board and like your books and stuff, but like tuition will be free. Mm -hmm. And that's very rare, obviously. Like people don't get their tuition for free. Which is huge nowadays with loans. Yeah. (laughs) 
such a big deal. And so they were like, you can either do that and we can help you, or you can go out of state and go to a school you want to go to. Yes, but you're going to take out loans and that's going to be the future. And so I just, you know, decided to go to a state school in Florida or Orlando, Florida. I went to UCF, University of Central Florida. And on my applications, I just picked communications for every single one that I applied to every single college. And so I ended up um, going into the advertising public relations program at UCF. And that was, I wouldn't say like I wanted to be in advertising or in PR. Like, I don't really know why I chose it. I think it just was like the best communications option to then have, you know, whatever you could do in your future as like a writer, or you could, I don't even know. At the time, I didn't think being a photographer or doing video work was actually what I wanted to do. So I just kind of stuck to that. And Mm -hmm. I thought maybe I would work like in the creative department of an ad agency. Totally. I would say marketing is a pretty creative area to go into. So it's probably a good call. Yeah. And I would say like even now, because like the I'm doing marketing currently as more of like my day job more than anything else. And the things that I really enjoy doing are like more creative work. And I guess photo, video work, um, podcasting, but also like content creation, social media. Mm-hmm. And that all is like what advertising is turning into. Right. So it kind yeah, of totally. like fits in now, like six years later, after like having graduated the program, like did not really prepare us for what was going to happen. But now it's like the ad agencies aren't as relevant anymore, but I, yeah, so I graduated from school and I had applied to jobs. I had looked into like moving and all these things. And I just wasn't getting the response I wanted. I was getting you know, jobs. I think I got like one job offer of like a sales job. And I was like, this isn't what I want to do. Oh my God. Sales is so far fetched from like creative content creation and all that. And and what no one really talks about is that like, it's very difficult to land a job offer out of state. If you didn't intern at a company when you're in college, I don't know if that was just personally for me, but a lot of my friends like had this problem where like we all interned within the city that we were going to school in. And so we could have, yeah, gone and probably got a job at the place that we interned. But if we wanted to actually move out of state and we didn't have some type of connection, it was so much harder. I had so Mm -hmm. many friends who were just, they were so confused. They were like, I don't want to be in Orlando, Florida. I want to go here and all over the country. And it just depends on the major, I guess. I guess just advertising PR is just a lot more tough. Mm -hmm. So I ended up graduating. And like I said, I went on a backpacking trip, like very random, jumped on like a trip of another girl's, like they already were planning it. And I was like, Hey, can I come along? And they're like, yeah, of course. And my roommate at the time we met up in Vienna. That's where we were when we like decided this like big thing to move to Paris or to move to, to Europe just in general, because mm-hmm. we didn't decide on Paris until like a few months after, but yeah, like, uh, we just, we decided we wanted to move abroad. We applied for our English certificate. So I have like a teaching certificate. I can teach abroad if I want, I guess, at an English school. Um, I looked, we looked into a bunch of things and we both decided like, we really want to live in Paris. And then we also wanted to have our own like freedom. And at first I had to kind of convince her to be an au pair because traditionally au pairs live with the family. Mm-hmm. But we both found families that let us live on our own. Oh, so really? Had, like, apartments that they owned that they had housed their au pairs in for years. And so like, that's a really, that's a decent option. It does exist. A lot of people have that. Oh my gosh. Wait. So before you continue that decision to go abroad, was there anything holding you back or like freaking you out about that? Did you have any pressures from your family, from your friends that were telling you you're nuts? What are you doing? Or was it like, did you just feel like that was the right move and no one really said anything about it? Um, I think at first, I mean, my parents have always been very supportive of 
everything that I've done, but also I come from like a very unconventional family. Like my dad's in entertainment and it's just a creative person and like has moved a lot and traveled. And so I just think that he thought out of one out of his three children are going to be kind of like him. And I tend to be <laughs> like him. And so when I told them that I was thinking about this, they were kind of like, I think they just kind of nodded their head. Like, we'll see, like, we'll see what it, ha- like when it actually happens. And one day I just walked into their office and I was like, Hey, I bought my ticket. Like I found a family I'm moving. And they were like, wait, what? <laughs> this is oh real? my goodness. Um, and yeah, they were totally supportive. I mean, now, like we talk about it. And at first they told me they were really nervous about it. Cause like they had never actually been to Europe and yeah. I had only been to Europe on that backpacking trip. So it was like really my first time. And I'd never been to Paris or met this family in person. So I Skyped them via the website that like mm-hmm. I found them on, which is called opairworld.com. I actually applied through them <laughs> last summer when yeah. COVID was hitting. Cause I didn't know what I was doing with my life either. Definitely. Yeah. So cause it can be a little sketchy just depending on like where you decide to go and what country you choose. Mm-hmm. And of course, in different circumstances, yes, it would have been nice to have been able to like go meet them in person and decide, but like it's expensive. That's unreasonable you know, here. Yeah. Yeah. If, if this is two personal question, like totally cut me off and I'll just cut this whole part out. But, um, were, did you feel like financially okay with that up air, up air position? Cause I know that some of them don't pay very well. And if you want to actually like enjoy your time abroad, you want money coming in, obviously. Um, yeah. I- um, this is actually something that I, I would like to talk about. Cause I feel like a lot of people don't do it because they mm-hmm. don't realize that you can really live off of what they give you. So it just depends on every family. So I think I went over there with like $2,000 to my name, like in my bank account that I had saved from babysitting and just some grad money. And just like, Mm -hmm. I I'm a saver. Like I put a lot of money away all the time because I'm just fearful of not having any money. So I went over there and I was like, if anything goes wrong, I have enough to come home. Like, you know, everything's fine. So they paid me and I, I probably am a little bit wrong about this. I think it was like 400 and 50 euros a month. It could have been less than that, which sounds like nothing. That's about like 600 us dollars, I think. And mm-hmm. again, it was five years ago. So I can't remember the exact number, but they paid for other things that are basically what your bills would consist of anyway. So like, I didn't have to pay for my living situation. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to pay for my Metro card. Like they bought me a Metro card that they refilled all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they paid for my French classes, which were a part of my visa requirements to go to French class. And okay. they paid for that portion of it. Cause you're technically a student on the visa. That's the way that they set it up in France. Oh. I don't know about other countries, but you're a student there to learn French. And the way that you are learning French is by working for, with a French family. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also paid for any of the administrative fees. And then they gave me the money that they gave me was just on groceries and just like living my life and taking trips. And so it was essentially all spending money that you were getting. It was Yeah, it was all spending money. And really like groceries over there are so cheap. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's mine. It's mind blowing in comparison to New York city, but you can, and you can flights really- are insanely cheap. I mean, you could get a road trip ticket for 70 bucks. <laughs> I went to Italy for on a two week road trip with my friends and I paid 37 round trip. Oh my goodness. To Venice. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's definitely doable. Unbelievable. Um, and you just have to know how to budget and how to have fun with your friends and not spend a lot of money. Yeah. And there's so many ways to do that in Europe. I mean, you can sit outside, people buy like two Euro bottles of wine and go sit along the river and hang out all night. And that's like the form of entertainment. Like, yeah, aren't, it's not as expensive as 
I mean, of course it would be expensive if I was paying all of my own bills, but as an au pair, you really can have a good time without That's making incredible. You're yeah. like selling me right now to just quit my job <laughs> and go study or cause I, so I studied abroad and anyone who's listening to this is going to give me so much shit for mentioning my study abroad again. Cause that's all I talk about. I swear, but yeah. I really was in the same position where I was like, I don't know what I want to do, but my thing that held me back, which I kick myself all the time for is that I was just so scared to make that commitment mm-hmm. and then not know like what's to come and me just indefinitely postponing me actually getting a job. Um, so I'd love to hear how you, you know, started to transition out of that, um, position in Paris and then figured out what you were going to do here when you came back. Yeah. So I was really ready to like go home. I think like four months before, not because I like missed my family or my friends or anything. I just was like getting that pressure that everyone feels when they start seeing everyone they know getting jobs and like starting to be a grown up and participate mm-hmm. in society. And I was like, my days are basically picking up four kids from school and making them dinner. And yes, I'm having a wonderful, like amazing time, but I tend to put a lot of pressure on myself. And now looking back, I think like I should have embraced it so much because it was such a good time. And like, there's no rush to grow up and there's really no rush to like get into the workforce because the experience that I had, I feel like was very invaluable and not a lot of people actually do get the opportunity to go live abroad. So I was excited. And then about a month before I left, I was very sad and I was having a panic mode where I was like, why am I leaving? And it probably also didn't help that I, I met somebody and I had a boyfriend at the time. Um, oh, that's gotta be tough. Yeah. It was like my first love. It was very crazy. Um, and a and, little Paris boy. <laughs> yeah, it was very, it was very, it probably was bad decision-making in the sense of like getting involved with someone right before I left, but I still, you know, I had to, I had to leave. I didn't, I didn't look into visa options. I didn't look into, into a way to stay. I didn't look into getting a job. Like had I stayed, I probably would have been able to find something there. I would have been able to transition easier into the expat life because I was already on a visa and because I was connected with the family. I mean, I could have even stayed with them for another year if I wanted to, but mm-hmm. it was just me telling myself, I have to go home. I'm going to have like my grown up life in New York. Like I always plan, like I'm ready to go. So I came home for, I think it was like less than a month. I just lived with my parents for a month and packed all my bags and got on a flight to New York and came here and found a room off of a Facebook group and just had uh, not that much money because I had spent a lot of it in Europe and was like, I have to get a job now. And so wait, time out. Sorry. You moved to New York without having a job. Yeah. Oh boy. (laughs) Was that uh, oh my goodness. That is courageous. I, <laughs> yeah, you have guts for that. <laughs> I was like, like I said, I, I could not stay in my hometown. I had no yeah. choice. So, um, and I also didn't really know what I wanted to do. That was the biggest thing is that like, I kind of, I knew I wanted to do photography because I had really, I had really gotten into it while I was no pair traveling, doing a lot of like travel photography and portraits and shooting couples sometimes and like putting myself out there on like free groups and telling people I'd take pictures of them to like get my portfolio going. And so I was really like actually practicing photography and I've been taking photos my entire life. So this isn't new to me. I was doing it in high school. And and even before that, I've been taking photos for a long time. So I was like, I'm going to go to New York and find some type of job in photography. And so when I got here, I had paid my first month's rent And basically I think I had, I don't even think I had enough for next month's rent and was like, okay, I have to find a job now. I got on Craigslist. I got on Indeed, everything. I ended up getting two jobs in New York. The first year I was here, I, I got a job 
as a studio manager for a fashion photographer. And I was working for her about three to four days a week for from like nine to two. And then I got a babysitting job because I had all the experience of babysitting in the au pair. And even before mm-hmm. that, I had babysat a lot. And I got a babysitting job where I would go and pick up this kid from school and take care of him until his mom came home. And that was every single day. So I would wake up, go to the studio, do the assisting job, then take the bus across town, go pick up this kid, watch him, and then come on a bus across town and back uptown on the train to go home and do it every day. And was making literally only enough to pay my bills, like no, nothing else. Um, Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. But on, and then on the weekends, I was emailing modeling agencies to shoot with models. And I was meeting girls like all over town to just take photos for them so I could build my book. And I wasn't Mm -hmm. making any money from that because they don't pay you when they're first getting to know you. They basically like want you to betting you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that was, that was my first year here. Wow. So when you moved, did you know anybody in New York to fall back on? No, my cousin lived in the city, but we weren't very, he was, he was trying to be, um, on Broadway and acting. So he was all over the place. Was he, I can't remember either. He was, he now lives in long Island because he got married. He moved out to long Island. So either he was in long Island already with his wife, which he might've been, I don't think he was in the city still. So really I didn't know anyone. No. Wow. Um, So at any point in that first year, did you think to yourself, what the hell am I doing? Like, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. No, not at all. I mean, it's because I always wanted to move to New York. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. So I, I mean, this is throwing it back, but like the Tumblr days, I had a (laughs) Tumblr and all of my pictures that I had reblogged were like pictures of New York. Like I had came here so many times with my family, um, and just always loved it and just knew I was going to live here. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think I ever thought of moving anywhere else in the United States. Like I've traveled a lot around the U S I, I just prefer cities and I've always wanted to live in a really big city. I just really enjoy it. So the only, I didn't really think to myself, why did I do this? It was more that it was really tough. And I got myself into some very sketchy situations the first year because I wasn't really prepared. Like I, like you said, I didn't come with a job and like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that kind of caught up to me because I was just taking anything I could find and just random sketchy Craigslist things and just, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to make cash like everywhere. And I got myself burnt out so quickly. And that's when I kind of broke down and decided that I was like, not ready for to be in New York and wanted to move back abroad. Mm -hmm. And that was just, yeah, that was pretty difficult, but it wasn't because I wasn't supposed to be in New York. It was like not the right time for New York, I think. Okay. So, so what made that switch happen then when like, how did you get back to uh, Paris. So everything happened kind of all at the same time. And sometimes I do things typically how it goes (laughs) in in weird ways. So at the end of 2017, the photographer I was working for was like, would you be willing to quit your other job and work for me full time? Because like, I'm getting more jobs and I just need someone. And I'm like, yes, but like, I need a dedicated, you know, contract you telling me because I'm about to quit my second source of income. And like, this is how I pay for my life. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, sounds good. And so going into the new year, I had this anticipation that I was me working for a full time. I quit my babysitting job. And, um, within like the, right after new year's Eve, like the first or second week of January, um, I left the office because I was going to see apartments. Cause also at the same time, the girl that I was renting from told me that she was leaving New York and that I needed to vacate the apartment in a month. And I got an email from my, my photographer boss, basically laying me off saying that she 
found an agent who was going to take care of everything that I did for her. And I literally was in the office that day and said to them, I'll see you guys tomorrow. And they said, yeah, see ya. And then she waited till I left to email. Oh my God. She never texted me. Didn't call me. I had worked for her for eight months. Like I was at her home every day, not like an office. Like I worked in her home with her and her husband. Oh my God. Yeah. It was one of the most devastating things. I remember just getting it. And then also seeing a really bad apartment at the same time and just breaking down and being like, why am I here? Like, and I was also like very, like I said, I had wanted to like, in my mind, I was thinking about moving back abroad and I had just been in that relationship that like lasted too long and ended messy. Like I was in a really bad place emotionally Mm -hmm. and just mental health wise. And I was like, I can't be here. Like I, I, the universe is telling me I shouldn't be here. Like Mm -hmm. this is, this is kind of a sign because like everything felt like it was pulling me back to move back abroad. And I just basically, yeah, I finished up my lease and didn't have a job and ended up moving home for a little bit for about three months and getting like a hostess job back in my Mm -hmm. hometown. I probably what felt like one of the lowest points of my life, just thinking about all the things I had done. And then I had to move home to just kind of work at a place that I like work first of all in the town that I wasn't really excited about, but also just like take a job that felt like so far from my career goals. And I was very lost. And, um, yeah, I just like saved up my money because you have to like show a certain amount of money to get the visa that I was trying to get. And Mm -hmm. that was the whole point of moving home just to like put some money aside for the visa. And then I got the visa and then I, I moved back to Europe. So it was just like a three to four month period that was kind of miserable for me. Like just being like, what am I doing with my life? But then when I did you au pair again? No. So you can only, well, I mean, I guess now I'm, I'm now I'm past the age, but you can only au pair in France until you're 26, I believe. Um, okay. It might be older, but I believe it was 26. And at the time I wasn't 26 because I'm only 27 now, but I was like, I don't want to do this again because like, I really do want to pursue my career goals of like doing creative work. And so I found this visa that's basically an entrepreneur visa. And what you're saying to the government in France is that like, you're going to open a business there and you're going to do freelance work or like start, start a business for yourself. And they didn't care where your clients came from. So like all of my clients were digital marketing, like writing jobs from the U S that I had secured before I went over there. I got really lucky. I just like ended up finding writing clients that like kept me on for a whole year. And that like Mm -hmm. paid my bills while I was like pursuing my photography, it was very messy um, because I was like making money from the US but not making any money in France but still having to contribute to everything in France. So like paying taxes and social security oh my and all these things, it was very complicated. And so after, after like a year when like the visa renewal was up because I had like, I had, I successfully like lived there for a year on this visa was doing everything right. You know, was tracking all of my expenses, paying all the things I needed to pay. But after a year, I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. If I'm not really working within France, like I know a lot of expats actually make their money from the U S and don't actually make any money in France. Like there are people like that, but I just was like, why am I staying in a place where I'm not making any income? Like everything is online and it's not even what I want to be doing. And will I ever really get into like the scene here that I want to be in, in the photography world? Like, will I ever actually be able to infiltrate like the modeling agencies and work with stylists and the things that I was doing in New York? Will I ever get to that point here? And at the time too, when I was living in Paris, I found a photographer over there that was American who had been there for 11 years, 12 years at that point. And I was her assistant. And so I worked with her once a week 
and just listening to her like experiences of living there for so long and just all of the things that I also experienced I was like I don't know if I have I don't know if I have it in me to do what she did and I feel like at that point I was like I love Europe I love traveling I see myself like wanting to live bi-continental at some point but I don't think I could fully commit to being an expat because Mm -hmm. it's just a lot so I think that's so interesting that you just brought up that point because a couple nights ago, I was speaking with another girl who we were talking about kind of committing to whatever decision it is that you want to be doing career-wise. So for me, one of the things that I was really struggling with was whether or not to like pursue medical school. Mm-hmm. And everyone around me was telling me that's what you should be doing. And in my head, like I had this vision of medical school becoming a physician, but deep, deep down, I was like, I don't know if I can commit to that. I don't know if that's really what I want to be doing. I don't know if that's the lifestyle I want to have in 10 years. And it takes a lot to say, like, just kidding, this dream that I had or this romanticized idea of what I thought my life would be. I have like, it's not for me. I think everyone goes through that at some point. Like, I feel like I'm going through it again now, kind of, you know, it's like, it's really hard in your twenties to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And I think right now too, at least in my opinion, everything you see on social media is making it seem like all these people who have figured it out, they figured out like that, you know, they, there was no debate. It was just, they rose to their career. They quickly, you know, rose up the corporate ladder, whatever it may be that they're pursuing. It seems so easy and so simple to get there, but that's not at all how it is. I mean, I debate what I want to do with my life just about every other day. I'm the same, really, truly. Like I, I don't exactly what you're saying about social media. It's very flawed in the sense that it perpetuates this idea that you, you know, you know what you want to do for the rest of your life. It's your passion. And then like all of a sudden everything falls into place and you get exactly what you want and you get to live, you know, with that career goal for the rest of your life. And you're happy. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's a very small percentage of people. I think I had read somewhere and I mentioned this, I think on my podcast when I was making an episode, because I was talking about this struggle that I've been having, because I'm like, what do I want to do every day for the rest of my life? I think that I read somewhere that five or six, no, sorry, that everyone changes careers five or six times in their life. Like you'll change your career, like goal or like your intentions, like five to six times. Really? Yeah. It's not, it's not just like one time that you like decide, like, I mean, for me, it's been kind of all in the same pillar of things, obviously, but it's not like I thought I really wanted to be a photographer. And then I was like, maybe I'll do writing. And then now I'm like doing digital marketing. I'm going back to like social media. Like I'm already at like number four where I'm like just bouncing around ideas. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, not everyone, but like the typical person probably changes yeah. five to six times. So. Well, and I also think it's kind of crazy to expect people to want to stick out one profession for 40 years. I mean, personally, I don't ever want to be doing the same thing for 40 years straight, whether it's expanding into a new industry or sticking with whatever one industry I'm interested in and just changing my roles. I don't, I couldn't imagine doing the same thing over and over and over for 40 years straight. No, I couldn't either. And I don't think we have to anymore. That's kind of the nice thing. I think Mm -hmm. that there's options now, which there wasn't options back when my parents were looking for work. I mean, my parents, I also mentioned earlier, like I have an unconventional family life. Like my dad is in entertainment and he is also a business owner and him and my mom like own a business together. So I just Mm -hmm. grew up with like a very different outlook on career that basically my parents created their own career for themselves. Like they've Mm -hmm. never really fully been in the corporate world. I always like, they were always home. Like they worked from home and every day. Do you think that's what drove your entrepreneur mindset? Yeah, 
a thousand percent because even today, like, you know, we, I talk with my parents about like holidays and stuff and they, they just have like freedom to like spend time with us whenever we're Mm -hmm. home. And then my, my sister has a more like conventional job and, you know, she can only take off certain days because she works for somebody else, which is normal. Like a lot of people have that in a lot of industries, like you have to work for, for somebody else in order to pursue your career. But it just is like so different to see that my parents are just like, oh, we can do whatever when we like whenever and whatever we want, you know, at Mm -hmm. any time. And, you know, then seeing my sister having to like ask for time off, it's like, yeah, I don't want to be the person who has to ask for time off. Like I don't mind working all the time, but I want to be able to choose like when I have time to spend with my family and do the things that I care about. And I think when you're starting your own business or being an entrepreneur, like that's the only time you get to do that. Yeah, totally. I do think though, that there is a little bit of a give and take with both sides of that. Like if you're, Mm -hmm. you are working in the corporate world where somebody is your boss, somebody's calling the shots, at least you have a little bit more structure. I mean, depending on the role, obviously, but typically you're not having to put in those late night hours that you necessarily would as an entrepreneur. And I think that a lot of people who make their own business, start their own businesses. And I'm thinking specifically on like Instagram, you see these people promoting their products and Mm -hmm. it looks like the luxurious life of them sitting in their living room with their children, like having a good day, but they're putting in those hours still at 11 o'clock at night when everyone else is sleeping or getting ready for their next work day. You know, it's not, there's, there's always going to be some sort of thing that you're going to have to give up no matter what you do. And it's kind of just picking your battles and what is most important to you. Yeah, definitely. I think, like I said, I think there's certain careers that like, it definitely doesn't make sense to try to start your own business in certain careers, right? Like Mm -hmm. my sister's in engineering. She works for engineering, like (laughs) plant, like she's like totally what she like sees herself doing in her career. It makes sense to be like with like to be an employee of somebody else or like to work her way up the corporate ladder of that like career job or that um, field. But for me, I think why I also, why I also like prefer the idea of being self-employed. And I guess I am because I do freelance work. So like I have my, the clients I work with and like technically I work for them, but they, but I get to choose how many I take on and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the things that I want to do don't ever, they've never really fit into like the corporate world. So like, there's not many photographers or videographers who are employees of somebody else. And if right. they are, they're making nothing in comparison to what you could make doing it freelance or mm-hmm. being self-employed. So a lot of the creative things that I've always been interested in, they've never been jobs that I could, that I could even find a listing on like these job sites or on LinkedIn, um, or even just thinking about the future now of like content creation, like no one's going to, no one's going to hire somebody full-time in-house. They're going to like want to work with different people all the time for the advertising sense of it. So even like advertising agencies, digital agencies, like they're all outsourcing to people who are independent people. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it just really depends, but like you said, like, yeah, somebody you're either working for someone all day and coming home and getting to rest, or you're, you know, owning your own business and working all hours of the day. Mm -hmm. And I guess it just depends on what you want to do with the rest of your life and, you know, seeing what would make you more happy. I guess for me, I just, I think I'd be happier doing the things that I am good at. And it just has never really fit into the job description of what's available out there. So, yeah. And it's, it's great. Cause I mean, you're still very young. So the fact that you've figured that out for yourself and you're trying to go get that now, as opposed to waiting, because no one's not, everybody's always going to be on par with your ideas or like the way you act, or even people that you know, from your past that will see it. And you're not going to get hundred percent satisfaction from everybody. So you just got to suck it up. And I think that's also a huge point in going for your goals and, and striving for that next step. Like 
when you were talking about the moving abroad, all I could think about was, damn, I wish I had the guts to do that. But I had so many fears about what specifically my family would think would think about me and about me postponing what my post-grad plans were. And so that's why I didn't, but you just got to make that leap. And who freaking cares what anyone else thinks about you and your journey? No, I mean, what other people think of you, it took me so long to learn this lesson because I used to care a lot about what other people thought about me. And now I don't care. I, I really feel like I don't care at all. But when it comes to, especially like, it's funny because over in Europe, people have a gap year, right? So like they get to take a year between, sometimes it's between high school and college to like figure out what they want to do. Sometimes people take it after college before they like get a job. And so it's like that breathing room just to be like, okay, now what do I want to do? Instead of like forcing everyone into these, you know, high school, college job kind of like timeline where you feel like you're not giving any room to like make decisions. And so that's the thing that I was feeling too. Like, like you're saying, like, you just, you didn't know what your family was going to say about your post-grad, like, you know, plans. And that's how I was feeling when I was over there. Like, oh my God, I probably look like I'm literally not taking my life seriously because I'm living abroad for a year and not getting a job. But it's mm-hmm. like, I have time. Like we all have time and we're going to look back and think, oh, I wish I would have taken that opportunity just for a year. I mean, a year is so short in mm-hmm. terms of like the entire span of our lives. Like a year is nothing. And it's a good time to just like pause And yes, you're still working. You're still making money. You're still like figuring yourself out. And I think we kind of disregard when people just need to take time to figure out what they want. And if you're not being productive or like achieving something, it doesn't mean that your life is like invaluable in that time period. Right. It all shapes where you, I mean, it's every single thing that you've told me has sounded like it stemmed from something that happened in your past. And so, (laughs) excuse me, um, like without that or without making those jumps, who knows where you'd have been? Yeah. It's all, it's all supposed to work out the way that it is. I think in some ways, I mean, I don't, I'm not like a huge, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, do I believe in fate? Do I believe in destiny? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I kind of do in some ways. Cause like when I do go back on the timeline, I'm like, that wouldn't have happened if this didn't happen. Right. And now it's like the butterfly know, effect. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it totally works that way. I mean, even moving back to New York in April, like the fact that I moved back in April was if I had chosen just a few months, like if I was trying to move back right now, I would have the hardest time finding an apartment Mm -hmm. because it's, it's like crazy here now. I wouldn't have found the apartment that I'm currently living in. I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. found like a good deal on my apartment because of the, the rental market kind of being down. So it's like all these like different things that like interlace with each other. And you just kind of have to like trust, I mean, trust the process, trust the universe a little bit. It's hard to do that, but I think it all kind of does work out the way it's supposed to. I completely agree. Well, thank you so much for this, Shannon. This has been absolutely wonderful. And I'm very excited to put this out because I think you touched on so many great things and it's a very different, unique perspective of everything that you've done. So this has been fantastic. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me on. It was fun to talk about all this. Yeah. If you want to plug any of your stuff, um, I'd be happy to like shout it out. Yeah. Um, so I'm Shannon Saracillo on every single social media platform, Instagram, TikTok, my YouTube channel. Okay, and then I, nice. have a podcast, <laughs> um, I have a podcast called the Internet Diaries podcast. It's on Spotify and it's on Apple podcasts. Perfect. Well, I will definitely shoot that out to everybody. Um, thank you so much, though. This has been fantastic. Yes. Thank you. I've had so much fun.